Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories, their ups and downs and the twists and turns in business, all bringing valuable learning experiences along the way. The Business Diaries has been running since 2017, so we've heard quite a few stories now. And for Isla and I, it's really interesting to see and hear how we all resonate with different parts of each story and how we hear certain messages or tips and takeaways along the way. So today we're visiting a story that tells how our storyteller survived his fair share of ups and downs in business. Fortunately, he steered his way to a better place. Isla, tell us who's in the guest seat today. Thank you, Lisa. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Neil Williams to the show. But before we hand over to Neil, let me tell you a little bit about him. Neil is a business leader with many years' experience in business strategy, sales, marketing, operations, people development, and team building. Neil is now an accredited coach specializing in career, retirement, business, and leadership coaching. He is also an accredited coach supervisor, a coach's coach. Neil enjoys seeing people get to where they want to get to. Welcome, Neil, to the Business Diaries podcast. Welcome, Neil. Good morning. Good morning. I thought, I hope we hadn't lost you there for a moment. (laughs) Neil, I'm so looking forward to you sharing your story with us. So I'm going to hand the airwaves over to you. Right then. Um, The title of my story is Sitting on the Bench, which is a bit of an unusual title. And I'm not a footballer waiting to be called onto the pitch. By putting this story together, I've actually learned a lot. So when Lisa and Isla ask me questions at the end, hopefully you'll get one or two messages as well. So I'm going to go back to 1981. I was a scouser coming down to London, uh, a totally wet behind the ears northerner, um, working for a major insurer. And that is a huge learning lesson for me. I must uh, also mention in 1988, 1989, uh, I got divorced as well. Um, So these are all sort of areas of resilience, I think, uh, looking back. Anyway, in 2001, I was working for a vibrant insurer. uh, And uh, I was walking up Warwick Park, for those that live in Tunbridge Wells, you might know this. And I got a phone call from a colleague. So I sat on the bench because I thought I should uh, listen to this particular conversation. And instead of the company posting an £80 million profit for the last year, we were going to post an £80 million loss. This was a total shock, uh, well, total devastation, really. So uh, I sat on that bench for quite a long time um, thinking about it. Let me wind back to 1987 when this fledging insurer. Uh, hit the market, became the darling of insurance brokers, and we won awards galore. Um, Our MD, if you know anything about football, was the sort of Brian Clough of insurance. He used the carrot and the stick. Uh, And basically, we worked hard, but we played hard as well. 
enjoying our conferences in Marbella, uh, burning the candle at both ends, if you like. The MD in those days uh, wanted to be top of the second division in footballing terms, not in the, uh, the first division. And this, we went from strength to strength until about 1997, when basically because we became a PLC, public limited company, he wanted to be better and bigger than the Royal Insurance, which funnily enough, I'd started my career with. It's now the Royal Sun Alliance. And this is where he became what I call the, the Maggie Thatcher era, where for, for about four years, he didn't listen to anybody. He thought he knew better than everything else. So in in income terms, we continue to increase, but in profitability terms, we didn't, but we didn't know that. Um, and in about year 2000, I, I was put on the operational board and we started asking very difficult questions. And in the end, the MD was removed and the main board um, started to involve us more when really it was a bit late. Um, anyway, the MD had an expression of don't believe in your bright blue eyes and basically he had fallen into his own trap. Five years later, the MD, his deputy and the accountant went to jail for basically fiddling figures which is a penalty some of the bank executives should have suffered from recently. But that's another story. So during this time, I obviously lost a significant amount of shares, uh, which of course were worthless. But the big impact for me was the employees. We'd all been go-for-it type employees. Um, and within a fortnight of the announcement, 90% of us um, were made redundant. Uh, this included myself and my wife. I remembered in that fortnight of looking at my desk with all of these files and all these papers and thinking, well, what should I be doing with this? And of course, it was a total waste of time because there wasn't anything to do because basically the company had gone bust. So redundancy, I felt in those days, was a stain on the character. Uh, and a lot of us were going for the same jobs. Um, so effectively, I went from the frying pan into the fire saying, I want a job, doesn't matter what job it was. And then after three months of being in this non-existent role, it turned out that I was rewarded with seven times the amount of uh, payoff that I got working for the insurance company for 14 years, which is a bit bananas. Anyway, after signing the non-disclosure agreement on a Saturday for a new opportunity, I had a very, very long wait over the weekend. And in fact, the facts, if you remember those things, the facts only came through at six o'clock on the Monday night. It was um, a long, long wait. Looking back, I was still um, psychologically in a bit of a mess myself after working for this other company for three months uh, who were also in a bit of a chaotic situation. And I was suffering from stress, um, severe embarrassment, and everything else. Anyway, my, my job was in Bournemouth. My family continued to be in Tunbridge Wells. And the company was in a total mess, basically. So I had to sort it out. I was still having extreme headaches from the previous experiences. So this was a really tricky two years. Obviously, I was away from home. So in the evenings, being in a hotel bedroom, um, literally on your own, nobody to talk to, 
only it created more sleepless nights and everything else. Anyway, after about a year of getting through this, this stage of life, uh, and you don't necessarily realise the stress you're going through at the time, uh, we built a new management team, three key directors, and we brought on young staff, uh, which was fantastic. Brought them through as managers, and for three years, everything was hunky-dory, happy days. And then a smaller PLC, or RPLC, and then suddenly everything changed. Um, the MD and their sales director of this um, PLC wanted our operation in Bournemouth to go to Lincoln, which I vehemently opposed because we built a good team of people and I wanted to support the people. Obviously, I was getting in the way then, but fortunately, they offered to pay for my uh, coaching course to keep me on board initially before they sort of got rid of me a year later. What was really tough uh, about being got rid of was I wasn't even given the chance to talk to my staff, clear the desk after five o'clock. Um, and again, that was painful, but not as painful as um, losing the job at the insurer a few years before. So if I'd known about coaching at various stages of this um, uh, roller coaster, I would have taken the opportunity, but it was only near the end I found out about coaching and I thought I'd put my experiences to good work. So I then arrived back in Tunbridge Wells. I decided um, I needed a job with somebody that I trusted and that I could be at home. So my four-year-old daughter, I wanted her to know who I was. In the past, I've been coming home at weekends and she'd look up startled and think, who's this bloke then? I was very fortunate to get a job with a small consultancy in Tunbridge Wells, but the owner had employed me twice before. He's still a personal friend now. And that's when I was able to start putting together my portfolio career. Three days working in sales for this uh, company and two days building my own coaching company. Uh, keeping the different types of coaching totally separate uh, so there was clear boundaries set. So after nine years of my portfolio career, I then started just focusing purely on my coaching company. And I think because of the experiences I've gained through some traumatic times uh, as well, um, I have been a, an executive uh, in various roles, so I understand how lonely it can be at the top uh, I have been made redundant three times uh, in, ten, in a 10-year period, in actual fact. So I do know how people feel when they lose their job and also the embarrassment. Although I don't think redundancy is a stain on anybody's character anymore. Uh, business coaching, I've set up my own coaching company, albeit small. And then finally, you could call me retired now. Uh, I'm probably semi-retired. I've retired from my Vertecom as my proper career job, but I'm doing a job now that I love uh, doing and benefiting other people. So as you can see, I've had many transitions. Uh, I believe in the, in the future, people are going to have to be even more flexible with short-term and technology changes, and particularly with what we're going through now. So this story could have been called The Ups and Downs of Life and Careers. Uh, I mean, it gave me a great opportunity to reflect 
And even as a coach, I should be reflecting more. I think it brings out the importance of resilience, uh, how important your own values are, particularly as you get older. And often we sail through the good times and don't notice how lucky we are. Whilst there are far more learnings through the difficult times. So when I walk with Minnie, our dog, past the same bench, I realise and remember how lucky I am. Wow, Neil. You said that you had some ups and downs. They really were ups and downs, weren't they? Gosh. And I love how the bench still features in your life. That last sentence there is, yeah, that's great. And obviously you'll walk that route often and uh, what a great reminder. So something that really, really interests me um, is the the stress, basically. And you, you said that you were a bit of a mess. You suffered extreme headaches. How 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 else did that stress manifest itself? Because there are so many people that probably even now, or especially now, uh, are having stress for one reason or the other, but don't recognise it. And you you touched on that as well. So just you know, were you discussing? Were you saying, oh God, you know, I'm, I'm having to take another paracetamol, or did someone else say, look, you look really tired. You better take some time out. What happened there as far as stress is concerned? Um, Well, I think at the time, because you're ploughing through um, these difficult times, um, I'm I'm being an ordinary, it's like you've got to be stoic. You've really got to (laughs) get on with it yourself. Um, I don't think I realise. And obviously, if you're waking up at three or four in the morning most days, that's an obvious sign of stress, but I hadn't really considered it. So it's just a question of powering on. Uh, having this knowledge and hopefully other people um, seeing some of the signs, maybe through uh, this podcast, um, may make people to think, well, I, you know, maybe they go to the GP, maybe they go to a coach, maybe they go to a therapist even. Um, but I think, I think listening to our own body, and us blokes don't tend to do that very well, to be honest, um, no, uh, I, I think is really, really important. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know I was in this at the time because you're trying to get out the hole yourself. I think. Mm. What would you say to someone if someone's, you know, going through that now? What would you say? What What's the first thing to try and combat it? I mean, I'm always saying take a day off, take a day off. But people, you know, it doesn't always. Well, often, often taking the day off just gives you more time to think about it, doesn't it? So um, that's true. Uh, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of this comes from sort of life-work balance, and and you know, particularly over the last year, you know, most most people, it seems to me in the countryside anyway, so muddy and um, footpaths are like quagmires. It's getting out and about, getting in the fresh air, giving yourself a break. I've heard yeah. of so many people that uh, are working from home but are having less time away from the job than more time, which is ludicrous, really. So having that hour's walk or a bit in the garden or, or whatever is so important to release the brain, and and it'll actually make people more effective during the day, um, you know, at work as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah. so many of us fall into the same trap with emails and texts and yeah, definitely. Maybe, maybe global businesses, so they've got to be... Um, available in the evenings as well so there's a lot of Mm. pressures there so people Mm. need to just think 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 pretty broadly actually 
Yeah. yeah. So you, you going back to part of your story, you received redundancy and you received a payoff, which was significantly more than your redundancy. And then you found yourself in a tribunal situation. Um, that's that's got to have triggered quite a few emotions as well. How how did you process that? Do you, you know, to, did you go through the I'm not worthy, I am worthy, I you know, how did you feel? Uh, well, yeah, that that was particularly stressful. But both my wife and I were in the same situation. Um, well, the first and time, double anyway, whammy. The first time, uh, so I suppose we worked together, and when we. Um, had to go to the job centre, which was really a down moment. Um, we got our, I don't know, 14 pounds or whatever it was, and went and blew it on a breakfast just to <laughs> just try and, you know, think of it differently. I think yeah. the, the tribunal stage was, um, this is where it was David against Goliath, and I had five months effectively in the garden, and I couldn't do anything else at all. Mm. Uh, but fortunately, because they hadn't covered their... Um, they hadn't done it properly at all, really. Um, they did pull out, and, and I got all the money for that. But that was at a different stage to um, the insurer going down when um, really, uh, well, we had a French company that actually um, guaranteed people's salaries for two years, and we got what was already been paid, really. Um, so... You know, there are various things where I think people should be supported more, but um, I don't think redundancy has that stain that it used to have. Most people are made redundant at some stage in their career, and that's how it goes, I think. Yeah, I think this is something that I wanted to pick up on. I I think it's it's really interesting what you're saying about, you know, global businesses and how our attitudes to work have changed in the sense that, you know, we are working all the time now. And, you know, a, a big sort of indicator in a change of attitude is that attitude towards redundancy. You spoke about it being a stain on your character as I, and, and I think that that was quite widely felt at that time and, and you mentioned it being embarrassed as well. I mean, I'm not saying now that redundancy is a badge of honour, but it, it's different now. I wonder if people are more able to, to deal with being made redundant. Not that that diminishes the emotional impact being made redundant has. Um, on anybody, I don't think that's changed between now and and then. So, w- w- what are your thoughts on sort of being made redundant now, as opposed to being made redundant sort of twenty or thirty years ago in your as it was in your time? Time makes you sound well, really old. <laughs> there's, well, there's, yeah, there's a couple of things. People will still go through that grieving cycle. So, if they go and try and get a job before they've got that grieving cycle out of the way, they're not going to come across as well as if they'd taken the time, recovered from the situation and everything else. Going back in time, you know, it's 30 years or whatever uh, ago, uh, I felt I went under a rock. I didn't want to come out from underneath that rock. for, for This is for two or three months. Um, and I was very lucky, actually, because a, a journalist in our industry, uh, I played a lot of cricket, invited me to cricket, and I, I was expecting people to be different with me and they weren't so I wasn't even in the work environment but I was with similar insurance professionals and people were so kind and 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 you know a number of the brokers there were so grateful for what our company had done for them for 14 years rather than giving a stick for the mess they were in because our our company went bust so 
So that sort of released me a little bit. And then it's a stage of getting over that grieving cycle. So maybe, maybe today the grieving cycle can be a lot shorter because it's happening to more people. But 30 years ago, it felt deep. And how, how are you going to get out of this? So, yeah, it was a real, real embarrassing time. And so I probably had two years, um, you know, whereas I'm, I'm pretty so in character, but I probably had two years where I was in a mess, not always knowing it. But that's when you should be talking to a therapist or a coach. I mean, the therapist tends to look at the problem areas, whereas the coach helps you get out of the problem areas. That's my sort of quick definition of it. So huge learnings for me. And... Uh, Hopefully for others too. Mm. It, it sounds. I'd just like to touch on one one of the parts of the story about your MD in the in, initial insurance company that you were working for. It, it sounds as if he's, you know, the demise of the business was largely led to his decisions and and not listening. You said that he he basically ploughed through, not listening to anybody else, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you said that he went to jail. So, um, for fiddling the figures, can you tell us more about that? What what was the the sentence? What was the? Did anybody else get taken down, or how yeah. what happened? Well, well, I think to start off with, the reason why the company was so successful was because of him and his his board team. Um, but it was when it, it's. And you, I think you saw a lot of this in the eighties and nineties, where CEOs were. Uh, sort of hard-nosed, very driven. Um, the whole, I think the style of management has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, but really, he always had to win. Um, I can give an example where we used to go as a management team to Jersey, and I was good at cricket, so we used to play cricket on the beach as well. And uh, the opposition batted first, so by the time I came into bat, the sea was coming in. I said, well, let's move the wickets now. He said, no, no, we're not moving the wickets. Um, you know, this is the game, which isn't the game for me. So that that should that should have been a good sign for me. But obviously, it's only looking back you pick these things up, really. Yeah. So in that, in that last four years, um, a couple of the directors were moved to one side, one uh, in another job, one got rid of, and basically didn't have anybody controlling him. And... Um, and that's when they started manipulating figures. So it was not not only him, but his deputy, and of course the accountant, who I felt a bit sorry for because he was probably very pressurised. But of course he shouldn't have done that. So they got all got various uh, prison sentences, um, which which they deserve. But um, I mentioned the banks because the banks are so much bigger. Uh, there was a lot of man- manipulation of figures, uh, like twelve years ago, whatever. But I'm not aware of anybody going to prison at all. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Do you do you feel resentment, Neil, or have you completely oh, no. let that go? No, that's the thing about the bench. Um, so probably for I don't know five or six years, I've not really thought about it. I've got to go past the bench and think about that initial conversation. Uh, but now, now I go past the bench and don't have any of those thoughts at all, because if I hadn't had the experiences and my wife as well, the future experiences, um, you know, it might have got a bit boring. Even though we were very successful as a company, we actually stuck to the same 
uh, ways of working, really, and atmosphere. So by having to work at different companies, becoming a coach, you know, I might never have had those experiences. So that there's no resentment at all. Um, and life happens, doesn't it? You know, that, that, I think yeah. you just got to go with the flow sometimes. So no, no, no resentment at all now. But certainly for quite a few years after, probably 10 years after maybe. Um, oh, God, yeah. yeah. You, we're, we're all human, aren't we? Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. For sure. I want to pick up on one of the points you made earlier about values and the, the choices that you make when you you decide to go to work for another company. You, you know, you talk about the grieving cycle, you talk about the emotional toll that this was all um, having on you. And then you describe the fact that you take a job that is what, two hours away from Tunbridge Wells in Bournemouth, but, you know, far enough away for you to be away from your family during the week and that you come home at the weekend and your daughter doesn't really know who you are. So I wanted to just pick up on the point that you made earlier about when when you're older and you have these learnings from these life experiences, you become much more aware of your personal values. And values are talked a lot uh, in business nowadays um i think it's quite a modern uh, a modern concept of matching values to the organization that you're going to to work with so what advice would you give to a young person entering the job market who doesn't necessarily have those years of experience and lessons learned and how integral to knowing how integral is it and important is it to know what your personal values are in building your own personal resilience wow that's a good Good five questions. So um, it was quite a good question, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> I think on, I think on values, most people don't know what their values are until they come and see somebody like me. You know, they're there because they're, they're embedded from their childhood or whatever. But until somebody talks about it, they don't really know what they are. And then when you come to companies, some of the big corporates talk about values, but they don't really live by them at all. So yeah. although it's very difficult when I was in Bournemouth, you know, particularly the first year, but then we had three years of immense success based on the fact that we brought in values that everybody had to abide by. And I knew they were embedded when staff came to me and said, this person or this director isn't uh, working to the values. Um, so, so I think generally people only get to know the values as they get older, where they hear corporate speak and they've probably seen it all before and they think that doesn't suit me anymore. So often you have a divergence between the person and the company in their, you know, 40s, late 40s, 50s, something like that. I think for young people, it's quite tricky. But I think um, the key, you don't know whether it's the right employer for you until you're sitting in the chair and vice versa. But the yeah. key message I try and get across for people is it's a two-way interview. Um, you, you've got to check the company out, which I obviously didn't at that time where it was only a three-month role. I just wanted a job and pay. Big mistake. So it's, it's a two-way interview and try and establish how the company works and whether it fits you. So it's not just the functional bit. It's, you know, are you going to enjoy yourself there? But you don't think about enjoyment if you're out of a job and you need to get a job. So it's very difficult balance for people, really. Yeah, of course. Did that yeah. cover all your questions in one? 
I think so. I mean, I appreciate talking about resilience. Uh, that that is a big topic, and I think that maybe we have to save that for another for another time. Well, I think resilience can sometimes get in the way as well. So, you know, quite a few people I know would wouldn't go to a therapist or a coach. I mean, that's some sort of British type culture, isn't it? But then mm. when when the whatever really hits the fan, um, maybe we we do need some support, but it might only be for three months or something like that in the whole career. But sometimes we you know, people need a little bit of support, even if they're incredibly stoic. And I, I suppose that was my my lesson personally. Mm. Well, what what are you working on now? What do how do you see some of the uh, some of your history and and some of the the ups and the downs, as you call them, um, re- sort of repeating in other people's lives? And and you know how does that work and weave its way into what you do today? Well, I think I think uh, I can show more empathy because even though it's a few years ago, I've been through situations. Uh, but talking about empathy, I mean, I, I support Samaritans as well. Uh, and I, you know, hear the very difficult things people go through. Um, mm. But I can't always show empathy because I've not been there. So in the, in the roles in business that I've, um, I'm an accredited coach for, coach for, I have been through all the experiences. So I think that just helps. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Empathy, yeah, so what, what are you... Yeah, 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 sure. Well, what are you working on at the moment then? Um, well, no, well, I spread myself quite wide, actually. So um, with the COVID, uh, my business certainly hit, uh, t- took a hit because nobody's been in the house since. Um, it's all by Zoom. But in mm. more recent times, I've been doing a lot more of the walking coaching. And this has been for a variety of subjects. Uh, and it just works really well. It's something about the side-to-side uh, piece where you're just in, in nature or you know I found this even in a car with one of my daughters where I learn more in a two-hour car drive than I do for uh, being at home sort of two months at a time so there's something yeah. I'm working side by side really uh, and I found this year uh, the corporate type work sort of uh, dried up uh, last year but it's all starting to come back again really so um, and I'm probably not working as hard as I used to and that's okay um I'm quite enjoying, you know, walking the dog and going in the countryside, except for it being quite so muddy and stuff. So, no, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy with life. Put it that way. Oh, good, good. Thank you, Neil, for being such a super guest. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, by my email, um, which is neil n e i l at nvwsolutions.co.uk. Uh, my mobile phone is 07970 or you can find me on LinkedIn or whatever. So it's very easy to find me. That's fab, Neil. Thanks. Um, I think we've got quite a few things to ponder on today. Uh, what stood out for you, Isla? What's your takeaway? Oh, yes, so many things. It's almost like we need to sort of take 10 minutes or so away from the discussion to to mull everything yeah, over. Yeah, let it all soak in. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think, I think what stood out for me and, and has been a constant theme throughout Neil's story, you know, is this point about values and knowing who you are. You know, taking that time out, using the benefit of the experiences that, that have happened to you to think you know, how has that shaped you? How does it define you? You know, what is it that you stand for? 
and to perhaps be a little bit more demanding about that when you are looking for your next position. And, and and then, you know, on top of that, obviously having a job that you enjoy and what a difference that that can make. Um, yeah. How about you, Lisa? Well, as you say, many interesting points. I think that Neil's story certainly highlights just how resilient we can be. Um, but I think one of the things that's really important to raise, and I, I, we started with it and I, I'll finish with it, is how stress can easily creep into your life and how it can build. And it's and we don't notice it ourselves until it's yeah. kind of too late or we're looking back. And, you know, I, I think that Neil's answer to that about getting out into nature, I really resonate with. I think that that's the one thing that we've been doing here at home is is trying to make time to get out for a walk um, and, and be outside. It really, it, it lifts your spirits. And if there's a little bit of sunshine, it really makes a difference. And I think also maybe if you can't get outside, start the day off with a bit of exercise, even if it's, you know, one of those walking at home YouTube clips or, you know, a few exercises, a few stretches, it, it, just anything other than work. Yeah. is that's what we were talking about the other day Isla wasn't it yeah. about yeah. replacing work with something else um so that that's a great takeaway and a reminder for me I think because I think that this this you know we're all feeling it at the moment with the pandemic etc etc so well it's happened again we've come to the end of another podcast many thanks for sharing today Neil we really appreciate you giving up your time and come in to uh, spend half an hour with us to to tell us about your story. Can I, I, can think I just thank you for the opportunity? And, of course, I know what a podcast is now. So that's, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you. No, we, we really do appreciate your time. Um, I, I honestly think that your words will speak to many. I really do, I, you know, certainly with, with stress. And uh, I hope that there aren't too many people that have, have been on that roller coaster but uh, I'm sure that there will be some. So thanks very much. Now, let's also say thanks to Paul Cheese for our fantastic jingle and for his editing magic. Isla, do we have any other announcements before we go? Just to say and that we this is our 16th podcast, so there's plenty of previous podcast episodes for you to go back and listen to that we are available across all of your favourite platforms. So do go and have a listen to some of the previous episodes. But we hope that you have loved this conversation as much as we have, and we absolutely love hearing feedback. Uh, we love to know what you think of the stories and the conversations. So please do find us on Twitter and Facebook and share your thoughts. We just want to take this opportunity to give a quick shout out to Tracy Ferguson, Joe Moorhen from Jobo Bakes and Michelle Dowsett from Discovery PA Solutions for sharing such lovely thoughts from some recent episodes that they found and they found some key learnings that particularly resonated with them. So do go and find us, subscribe on your preferred platform and let us know what you think because we'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah, we certainly do. So, of course, that that's, that's it. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's story and the discussion and that you'll join us for the next one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries.